This is Apologetics Live. To answer your questions, your host from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Andrew Rappaport. All right, we are live. Apologetics Live here to answer your challenging questions. Tonight we're going to have uh, the Canadian Atheist is back in the house. Uh, we have Matt Slick from Karm.org in the house, and the two of them are going to have a discussion, so that'll be enjoyable. But before we get to that, we're going to we we're going to get that soon, although uh, we have two things. First, we do have a question that's going to come up from Anthony Silvestro in a moment, but... Uh, Justin, I don't know if you saw this, and this is actually could end up affecting Matt, <laughs> and he may not realize it, but do you know that the Governor Newsom out there in California has uh, just done a bill that will say that every uh, corporation needs to have, at least on their board, uh, needs to be represented by an LGBT and or minority race, in other words, black. So... Um, Corporations, that includes every public corporation, which would be every ministry, which Karm.org is actually still based in California. (laughs) Every ministry, every church would end up needing to have an LGBT person of their board. And if they have nine board members, they must have at least three of those people represented. A third must be represented there. And they're not even a third of the population. I don't, have you? Did you hear about this? Yeah, I actually read some of it. Um, that, that's that was incredible. I mean, that's um, we've been warning about dictators for a long time, and worry, worrying about the you know, Gestapo tactics and um, you know mafia style tactics for a long time. And if this surprises anybody, it's because your head's in the sand. Yeah, and you've not been paying attention. All right, so let's go to. We're going to go to the car. Uh, Anthony Silvestro is traveling. Let's go to one young. Mr. Silvestro, how are you, sir? Hello, I'm good. Now, for folks who don't know, this is this is the younger version of Dr. Silvestro. This is Anthony Silvestro the third, and I was told he has a question for me. So, go for it, sir. With more hair. <laughs> yes, he has way more hair. This is true. <laughs> so. I was just doing my homeschooling videos of my wonderful homeschooling called Veritas Press, and they came up with the question of, at some point, is it okay for a Christian to lie for a good reason? And this is the example. This is World War II, Adolf Hitler, the Nazis. They're chasing some Jews down your street while you're sitting in your chair reading a book. All of a sudden, you hear a knock on the door, and there are three Jews, one father and two children, running for their lives. And they ask, can I please come hide and please hide my children first? And so you let them in. You hide them, and then you go back to reading your book like nothing happened. A few minutes later, you hear a knock on the door again. You open it. It's the Nazi soldiers. They ask you... Hi, have you seen any Jews come this way? We have proof and belief that they have come down your street. What do you say now? Okay, so this is a classic example in what's called uh, situational ethics. Okay, now 
I'm, I'm going to give you the big term and then I'll explain it. I'm what's called a non-conforming absolutist. It means that I don't, conf- I don't believe that a situation changes the absolute standard. So I will say it is always, 100% of the time, wrong to lie. Always. And I'm going to say amen. <laughs> now, here's the thing with it. The, the situation that, the, that this book puts you in, and the way that situational ethics put it in, it's as if it's only one of two choices. And this is a logical fallacy, called sometimes called the either-or fallacy, the fallacy of the excluded middle. What it is, is it, when they set it up, it's as if you only have one of two choices. You can only say yes or no. But I have a lot of other choices without lying. I could get in their face and say, you know, how dare you ask me such a question? I didn't answer it. Yep. But I can, I could act in such a way that they will be like, you know, uh, we're out of here. You, I can just, you know, say yes and accept the consequences. Okay, that is an option without lying. The, the reality is I actually know someone that I met that used to f- fly into China with Bibles, and it's illegal to do that. He was committed to not lying. Here was the interesting thing is they would ask him as he comes in with suitcases, what's in your suitcases? He'd go, Bibles and gospel tracts to give away. And they would let him pass because they didn't believe him. They were like, there's no one that's going to just come in and say that. Okay? So he chose to do that. He never lied. Uh, He had been in and out of the country when I met him 14 times, never lied once. Okay? So God could protect us in, in that without and tell the truth. But there's other things you could do without actually telling a lie, like answering something different, yes. asking why they're asking that. The reality is that if, they're, if they've come into the house, they probably think that they're already there. So the idea that, well, if you, if you say they're not there, are the, are the Nazis going to leave? No, the Nazis are still going to raid the house anyway. So, you know, the, there's a lot of different ways you could respond to that. Now, let me give you a real-life scenario with me. I was in New York City. Uh, I was probably either late teens, early 20s. Uh, but I had a guy that pulled a knife on me and asked if I had a wallet. Now, that seems like the same situation, doesn't it? I could say no and lie, or I could say yes and be without my wallet, right? That's what it seems. There's a third option. <clears throat> now, don't ask me why the Lord brought this text of scripture to my mind, but he brought this to my mind, the text with, da- with David when he went to the Philistines and started acting crazy. So that's exactly what I did. I started having an argument with myself on whether that man had a knife or didn't have a knife, whether he wanted my wallet or didn't, or whether I actually had a wallet or not. And he just assumed that I was so crazy that I couldn't possibly have money. And he walked away. And I walked away laughing. Did I lie? Didn't lie at all. But I also didn't give up my wallet. I chose a third option. And it's the same thing with this. There's, there's a third option. Wow. That, does that help you? Yeah. It's a good answer. All right. Does that satisfy you? Mm-hmm. All right. Speak up, Anthony. Yes. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look forward to your dad coming in later. All right. Bye. All right. Let's bring in one Mr. Math Slick. And Mark, uh, why Mark? Michael, <laughs> the Canadian atheist. Welcome back. 
So let me let me do quick. I I, I keep forgetting to even introduce myself. But Matt Slick, uh, for folks who don't know, Matt's not feeling too well, but he's still trying to still wants to try to to do this. So be praying for him. Matt is with Karm.org, Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. Uh, great site for everything apologetics and uh, and lots of other things too. <clears throat> world, lots of stuff on world religions and things like this. Uh, CA Atheist. Canadian atheist uh, is uh, got a podcast and, and different. Although I haven't seen any, the latest podcast I saw always from you is the one with uh, Aaron Ra. Have you had any newer ones? Oh, you're muted. Hey, how are you? There you go. Um, it's been uh, it's been difficult uh, just with with COVID restrictions in Canada. We're trying to be responsible, and uh, my actually podcast partner Dean has also been a little on the ill side. Uh, so uh, what I have done is I've posted a couple of, uh, of kind of like I'll call them cheater uh, podcasts with the link to the, uh, to the discussions that we've been having, but uh, we are Dean and I are set to get together tomorrow to record uh, episode. I believe it's one twenty two. Someone's asking what's wrong with Matt. His, just, he's having a, some issue with his stomach, <clears throat> but this is not unusual. I've actually seen this with Matt. We, at a at debates, I we actually I actually Matt I don't remember this. We were in Dallas for a debate where one second I literally thought you were going to just fall asleep before you got up to do your opening. You were like looking like you were going to fall asleep right there at the table. <laughs> you were so exhausted, and then you got up to speak, and it was like, where'd that energy suddenly come from? <laughs> You're muted now. You're muted, Matt. It started before the outside. All of a sudden, uh, I remember being out there, and I, I could hardly keep my eyes open. I don't know what <laughs> happened or why it happened, but if if I'd have just laid my head down in twenty seconds, I'd have been out. Yeah. And uh, and then while Matt Delahani was doing his thing, I was struggling to stay awake. I just I don't know what it was. Yeah, I think I think I even there, then. Wide awake. So, if I remember correctly, on the on the debate with David Smalley, your stomach was bothering you. I thought. I'm Maybe. trying to remember. I thought it was like your stomach was bothering you. Asked Neek to pray for you. You called her and mm-hmm. asked for prayer, and then you felt fine when you you got up. But yeah. so we'll do, we'll pray for the same thing. Yeah, I just had some uh, baking soda. I took some and a little piece of bread here. I'm nibbling on. So hopefully, and I just did a dry heave. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's give it a go. <laughs> All right. All right. So one of the things, uh, actually, first, um, I owe, and I I didn't want to interrupt, interrupt uh, Anthony when he was driving, but uh, during our last discussion, and, and Matt, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. By the way, hey, it's nice to finally talk to you. Um, what, what Anthony asked me a question during the, uh, the start of our very last uh, discussion, and I didn't answer his question. And I just want to take a couple seconds to well, answer it now. Well, he'll, he'll, he's going to come on later, so. Okay, if all right, we can just push pause till then. Yeah. But, um, and then Justin, uh, Justin has been wanting to talk morality for a long time, so that's actually what I was really hoping we could get into tonight. We've Rather than rehash what we've talked about in the past two discussions, I thought maybe we could take a different slant and, and maybe give a new topic so uh, so. At least Matt doesn't fall asleep. I don't think I will, but yeah, Let's go well, for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take uh, all of us out and let two guys have a discussion. We'll, you yeah. know, we pop in every once in a while, but uh, that way you can. Up uh, oh, there's the chicken. We always have to have the chicken. John with the the chicken. The, what do you call him? Cluck commander. All right. So uh, we'll let you guys have a discussion, and uh, you know, Matt, if you're not feeling good, then uh, let me know and 
we'll pop in and we can have that morality discussion. Go for it, guys. Yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead. I'll just follow your lead and hopefully it'll clear up in a little bit. <clears throat> Cool. Well, like I said, it's nice to finally talk to you. Um, I, uh, I've, I've been in, uh, this is going to come across weird, but an admirer uh, for some time. And I think my, the favorite, uh, my favorite discussion I ever saw you have was with Kent Hovind. Um, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun to watch to, uh, you know, from a, it was almost like a schadenfreude kind of thing to watch two Christians uh, go at each other like that. It was kind of funny, but um, I, uh, I do have uh I do have a degree of respect for you and for what you do. I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, admirable that you at least try to give, uh, to put forth some arguments for the things you believe. There are lots of uh, people who don't do that. They just kind of say, this is what I believe and stick their head in the sand. So, so kudos for actually standing up and, and trying to defend uh, from what I see as the defensible, but that's, that's irrelevant. So what I was really hoping to talk about today and uh, much to my chagrin, Justin's in the background was morality. We uh, we had uh, a pretty good discussion after the first the first time I was on uh, apologetics. But um, I've heard you talk about morality a lot, and so I want to you know get your get your thoughts on that. Uh, I'm an atheist. Uh, I saw you kind of chat chatting uh, in the in the chat last time when uh, when I was on. And uh, so I'm an atheist, and uh, I have an I have an objective standard for morality that has nothing to do with any god. Uh, what kind of if I could ask? Uh, what kind sure. of atheist are you? Oh, I, I I believe God does not exist. Okay, strong I, atheist. Uh, yeah. Are you a materialist? Um, what do you mean by that? You believe uh, that the only thing that exists really is the universe. You know, its physical characteristics and things like that. Um, I think that all we, well, certainly all we have evidence for is the natural rule, if you want to call that materialist, okay? Okay, naturalism. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, oh, you want me to just lay out the foundation for my objective standard? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. Forgive me while I read it, but it was uh, I thought it was the easiest way to keep uh, keep focus on. So I think if you're going to build a phone, can I interrupt? Can I interrupt? What I'm going to do is mute myself. I have a speech recognition program, and I'll be talking into it. So if you see me talking, I'm repeating what you're saying into my program, not cool. trying to be rude. So I'm going to okay. mute myself, and that's that's what you'll be seeing me do. Go, go, cool. Go ahead. Then I will not. I will not speak too quickly. If you're going to try to build a moral framework, uh, I think you need to start with a foundation. The foundation I use is well-being. I, defel, I define well-being as a reduction of suffering to the best of our ability, uh, while at the same time trying to promote flourishing, again, to the best of our ability. Um, my moral framework also involves the uh, avoiding the involuntary imposition of uh, will onto others who cannot or do not consent. Uh, the application of these also involves the veil of ignorance, as well as consequential ethics. One thing I do kind of sit on the fence about is that I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that morals are either objective or subjective. I think that there are good arguments for both, and I've heard good arguments for both. Uh, I am convinced that a thought cannot be moral or immoral, but that actions are either moral, immoral, or in some cases, amoral. I'm also not convinced that there can't be a blending of both of these things. Um, I think this is where amoral issues come in. 
I think there are times when uh, I do think that there are times when something is always wrong. For example, to take a page out of your book, I do believe it's always wrong to torture an innocent baby merely for one's own personal pleasure. Uh, I also think that there are sometimes there are things that are only sometimes wrong. Uh, and this is where the application of the above principles come in. That's it. You're still muted. Yeah, I was yawning, and I have three big monitors with lots of stuff. Cool. Um, okay. I, su- I subject myself to you. Okay. Um, there's lots of ways I can tackle this. Uh, I'll, I'll do the easy one first. Uh, because you're a materialist, anything and everything you might offer is nothing more than chemical reactions in your brain. You can just say that they're objective standards, but it doesn't mean that they are objective standards. It's just your chemical reactions. The necessity of materialism is that there is no supernatural thing and that your soul and mind are property of the physical realm and the physical brain, so that when your physical brain ceases, therefore your mind ceases. Therefore, the mind is restricted to the laws of physics, chemistry, motion, matter uh, of the physical brain. That means when I give you input, two plus two equals what? You'll say four, hopefully. And it's just a chemical necessity. It doesn't mean that the value that you give is true. And so when you begin with the basis of your materialistic or naturalistic view, what that necessarily does is it it, uh, casts doubt on your ability to justify rationality from which you begin your your whole argument. So I haven't gotten in the moral stuff yet, which I can do. Um, how is it then that from your materialistic position that you can justify any idea that any chemical reaction that produces an answer to a question I might ask uh, is true? So I think it's interesting. One of the things that you just said was that uh, because I exclude the supernatural, um, I exclude the supernatural only because there's no way. I mean, we don't even have a way to test for the supernatural, uh, let alone confirm any supernatural causation. So I don't write it off just outright. I write it off because there's no way to even test. I mean, if you've developed a way to test the supernatural, that'd be super cool. And you're probably going to be famous. Um, But we, we don't. We, we, we appear to be blocked from even having the capacity to do that. You also mentioned chemical reactions. Well, I mean, our brains produce chemical reactions when we come to, to thoughts. Um, I, <laughs> I justify the thoughts that I have based on my experiences with the world around me. Um, we had mentioned before, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I, I really only, I may, well, though I may have more and I still examine some from time to time, we only have two axioms that I operate from. Uh, and that is that uh, reality is real and that my senses are reliable. And so it's the, it's whatever happens in the world. I interpret those through my senses and I work on the abs- axiom that reality is real. And that's how I make my way throughout the world. When it comes to whether or not I say anything and anything is true, um, I, I'm not really sure that that makes any sense. Okay. Um, yeah, I just had to, uh, you know, uh, you exclude the supernatural because there's no way to test for it. Uh, that's a category error on your part. Do you have a way to test the supernatural? Uh, let me finish. Um, so if I were to say that I love my wife, uh, is there a scientific method to test for that? Yes, there now, absolutely is. There absolutely is. Okay. And uh, if I were to say that I'm loving her and compassionate, uh, there is no scientific method. You see, science is the yes, there is. 
you're you're incorrect. Hold, hold on, Michael. He didn't interrupt you at all. Sure. Yeah, yeah but, that's fine. I, I apologize. Um, and so, since science is a process of observation of the physical world, the material world, and then uh, hypothesizing and then developing experiments to validate or invalidate the hypothesis, and then adjusting the um, the experiments in order to arrive at a, a thesis or a hypothesis. Um, that's the thing you'd have to develop if you have a way of, of testing, uh, you know, that I love my wife, um, because that's an internal thing. It's an experience and it's an abstraction. Um, you, you know, you said several things. So, you know, if I tackle all these, uh, the thing is that then you'll want to, you know, say 15 more of those things. Um, you made several statements. So if you don't mind, you can respond to what I just said. Then I, if you don't mind, and then I can tackle the next thing you said that I wrote down. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what you said about not being able to measure love is just factually incorrect. Are you familiar with a machine called an fMRI machine? functional magnetic resonance imaging um, that actually has the capacity to measure the impulses and reactions in our brain. And when we are shown objects on monitors, scientists can actually look at how our brain reacts to favorable things versus unfavorable things. We can be shown loved ones versus like maybe, maybe you have a neighbor that you don't like. Uh, and they show you a picture of your neighbor, they show you a picture of your wife, neighbor, wife, neighbor, wife, back and forth, and your brain will have reactions, and they can actually measure that. So I'm, I'm sorry, but what you said is just factually incorrect. We can't actually measure love. What was the name of that again? Because I'm, I'm F- The Functioning Magnetic res- Resonating Machine. So Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging Machine. Can the machine differentiate between adoration and love? Adoration and love? I'm not sure. But it, but it, it, it does have the capacity to show the difference between positive and negative to the degree at which it can do it. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not a scientist. I just play one on TV. How about admiration, uh, differentiate between adoration and uh, appreciation and love? Can it differentiate between them? So they can tell which one it is when it's a chemical reaction. I'm not sure. So you don't know what it can do, and yet you've offered it as evidence that it can. So what I said was is it has the capacity to differentiate between negative and positive, right? So so your neighbor that you don't like versus your wife that you do, you'd be able to see the positive and negative. And though and you would be able to you'd be able to deduce from those things that if you have a negative reaction about this this neighbor that you don't like versus the positive reaction of your wife, and it's probably not that big a stretch to to admit that you love your wife versus not loving your neighbor. I, I, I don't think it's that complicated. Well, you said it can measure love. Uh, so if yeah. it's all hooked up to me and I'm thinking of my wife and I love her and I'm thinking yeah. of my daughter who just recently released a drawing she did. She friggin' can't believe how good she is. So I can find a picture of it. Um, just fantastic. At any rate, uh, that's admiration. So if I'm thinking of my my wife and I'm loving her, thinking of my daughter's drawing and I'm admiring it, and I'm going back and forth, you know, periodically every few seconds, can the machine tell me which one is love and tell you which one's admiration? So again, what I said was positive versus negative. Okay, Not so positive it versus positive. 
So it cannot distinguish between admiration, adoration, appreciation. and. I'm personally not aware of that, but the, but the illustration that I used was positive versus negative. So you said it was uh, scientifically testable to yeah. see that I love my wife. So the machine if you compare you the two, you're obfuscating. If you compare the two, negative versus positive, right? So, so something that you, that, that you clearly do have a positive feeling for versus something you do not have a positive feeling for, and the machine has the capacity to measure those things. So talking about your daughter versus your wife, the difference between admiration and adoration, you're, you're, you're trying to confuse the two. No, I'm just working with what you said. You said there's a machine that can measure love. But, and, 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 what, and, what, and what example did I give you? You, uh, you tell said- me the example I gave you. You said between somebody you don't like and someone you know you do like, and they can right. test the difference. Now everybody in the audience can see what it was that I said versus what you're trying to say. I said. And so, uh, if I don't if I don't like somebody versus I do like somebody, I like my neighbor, but I don't love my neighbor. Can the machine tell any difference between that positive and negative? Again, what I said, positive versus negative. Yes. Okay, so if I'm liking my neighbor but not loving my neighbor, then it can differentiate. Is one positive and one negative? Oh, so any positive is what it dif- differentiates. So it doesn't know if it's love, admiration, adoration, or anything. So then if that's the case, then your assertion fails. Sure. And anybody in the audience can just okay. look up an fMRI machine, and you, we can just move past this. Well, you just admitted, sure. Okay, so you admitted that it doesn't do what you said. Here's another thing you said. Uh, you justify the thoughts that you have based on your experience around the world. Um, are the world you around me, I think I said. Yeah. And so have you experienced uh, everything around the world to know what is the proper patterns of behavior normally in all situations and circumstances of all phenomena? No, absolutely not. Obviously not. So it's called the problem of induction and in that you see how the, the rock tumbles down the hill here and it tumbles down a hundred times uh, that way. It's always going to tumble down that way. It's called the problem of induction. And I believe it was David Hume who destroyed that. It's not a very good way of determining truth. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, and, and, but it's reasonable to infer that if it tumbles down one way, that next time it's reasonable to infer that it will tumble down the same way. And what I did say was, when we were talking about morality from a, from a moral perspective, I said that I wasn't necessarily convinced that it was necessarily one way or the other. I think there are good arguments for both. I laid out my moral framework. Okay. Well, well, we haven't tackled that yet. Um, uh, so what does a rock have to do with it? I was giving you an example of what the problem of induction is, where a certain behavior that you observe with your senses works a certain way. You can to conclude that it will always be that way is uh, mere extrapolation, not proof. It's not a logical necessity. I never said that it was proof. Okay, but you're trying to tell me that you uh, justify. That means you to justify means to offer something logically valid of uh, how you can interpret the world around you. So you do by your experience mm-hmm. and uh, your senses. Okay. Sure. And so your experience and your senses are subjective, right? Uh, yeah, but they're testable. So, but they're subjective based upon you, your experience. So if I were to, uh, you know, um, let's see. Uh, drop a a, a a baseball on your big toe, okay? Sure. From exact height, 
and I dropped the exact same uh, with no shoes, just on the same surface, the whole bit. Sure. You and I both have our feet there. Uh, and I dropped the ball on my foot the exact same way in my big toe. Do we mm-hmm. experience the same level of pain? I'm not sure how I would interpret your what you consider pain. Okay. So then your experience is subjective to you and you can't use it to uh, impose any value on me, right? Oh, no, sure, I could. And that's why I said that's where consequential ethics come in. Okay. Excuse me. I hate to be rude. I I know you're going to be very sympathetic and appreciate. I mean, I need to use the restroom because I've I've been drinking so much liquid trying to flush whatever it is out of me. That's okay, Matt. Matt. I apologize, but give me a minute. Yeah. So so let me me engage with you. I hope you you feel better. Yeah. So let me let me engage with you here with a couple of things you said. Sure. Because you were saying you can measure. Bring, bring Justin in. Bring yeah. Justin in. So so you were saying that you can you can measure love, correct? Yes. Okay. But you can't differentiate between like and love in your example, correct? No. No. What I said was is I'm not sure to what degree the machine can. Okay. But there are lots of but again there are lots of papers you can you can so, look this so stuff it's up. A, it's it's pretty well documented. Yeah, it's pretty well documented, but you're making absolute claims of something you're ignorant on yet again, right? And so I'm trying to trying to say, you said this was an absolute fact. So if it's an absolute fact, but it can't differentiate, it can only differentiate from what you said between positive and negative. <clears throat> then so you have was, to have, so when, look, sorry, go ahead. You have to have a, a, a strong like and dislike, right? You can't have a like and a love because that's not the positive and negative that you need. Correct. So my inability to discuss the absolute specifics of what the machine can and can't do isn't isn't evidence against or for Matt's position. And the and the difference is Matt made an absolute standard that it cannot be done. Yeah, but that's and I demonstrated where he's wrong. Well, see, it's special pleading on your part to say it's absolutely not special. Oh, it pleading. actually is because if you can't differentiate between like and love, then you're not being able to measure love. You're just measuring strong emotions, positive or negative. If that's all the machine could do, then it can't differentiate. And that's what Matt was saying. I, th- so, I, think, you're, I think you're not understanding what special well, pleading and, is. And another way, special pleading is when you apply one standard to one thing, but then exclude that same standard from something else. That's not at all what I did. Which is exactly what you did. I disagree. Sorry, Justin, go ahead. Well, uh, think about it. Uh, what he's trying to explain to you on a special pleading is the fact that just a few minutes ago, I saw an angel fly over my head, disprove it. I'm, I'm using the same argument because you're saying I've got a machine that can prove all this. And now that I've said it, that proves it. Well, I just said I saw an angel fly over my head. That proves it. No, See, that's special pleading. No, no, that is that's what I did pleading. was is I said that there's a machine. And then what I said is, is this is something that anybody can find out. There's this Google's a wonderful thing. And you can you can find out that what it, that what I said is true. And my in my inability to explain it with the with the finesse that uh, a, a, Google, a Google paper can isn't evidence for what I said is wrong. It's evidence of my inability to explain it correctly. And and I'm gonna, we're going to get back to Matt, but I, I just want to point out for the audience because it's the third time that that Michael's been on. Uh, do you guys notice the the consistent pattern? He makes absolute claims, and then when pressed to actually have to give an answer, he pleads ignorance, and therefore. It's a form of a Dill Hunty Dodge to just a, a crafty one, I'll admit. Much better, I think, than, than Dill Hunty's, but it's still the same principle. It's avoid having to actually defend any claims that you make, even when you say they're absolute, 
Well, if they're absolute, but they can't distinguish between like and love, it's not absolute proof that there's a way to measure love. There's only absolute to measure a very strong positive versus negative. If that's all it does, then that's not proof. And that's what Matt was trying to say. Is gravity an absolute fact? Where? On Earth, like on the Earth. gravity we experience, we yeah, the law of gravity is in effect on Earth. Well, it's actually gravitational theory. It's actually theories contain laws, not the other way around. Um, but your inability or my inability to explain all the intricacies of it doesn't make it any less true. And I'd like the audience to take note of that. Well, the the, the thing is, it. I'm saying that gravity exists because we can measure that, and we have laws, and we use the science. We when we take your Thing which you had said everything could be falsifiable, Matt just showed that your claim of absoluteness was false because it couldn't measure between like and love. That falsified the argument. So it, it can be measured. Give me an example. Well, we'll do this after because I'm going to go back to Matt. But you, th- you, you think of an example where you can falsify gravity, and we'll get back to that later. Sorry, I'm just in the middle of... Sorry about that. Uh, Thanks for... Thanks for the politeness he offered me to be able to use the restroom. Oh, it's starting to feel a little bit better. <clears throat> for those who don't know, it came in late. I got a really upset stomach, and I was dry heaving a little bit. And uh, so I drank a lot of water to flush it through. So I may have to use the restroom again. What'd you eat? I, you know, I had some chili, just some basic chili and some crackers and some stuff. But, um, you know. The, that's the wrong question. The question you should have asked, Michael, is did Matt cook it? That's the question well, that's you should have asked. They called together. I just nuked it. Um, okay. You know, so actually, we, we do have, have something you, we're supposed to get to, Matt. You, 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 you can ask me anything. You were nope. supposed to get to what happened in a store recently. Yeah, well, let's, let me continue <laughs> with this, and then we'll, later on we, we, we can talk about that, how I got out-slicked by somebody. Um, yeah, it's another story. Uh, so you said you have two axioms to operate on that reality is real and senses are reliable. Um, yeah, and, and, and the reality, sorry to me to cut you off, but the reality is, is that something that I'm, I'm constantly asking myself whether or not I have more than that. Um, but whenever I go down that road, I always kind of end up with those two. Um, I, I may have others maybe that I'm not even aware of that I, that I employ and that I do unconsciously. That's usually the case. We usually have things hiding, lurking in the shadows that we discover later on about ourselves. So uh, that means that you assume the reliability. I won't get into the issue of reality, but do you assume the reliability of your your senses? Um, Um, Not necessarily just assume because they can be tested, right? Like we can can use uh, uh, other people. Um, So like if I say that I see – you know, if I'm seeing spots or I'm seeing stars or something like that, looking at a, at a wall, I can say, you know, I look, are you seeing this? Or am I seeing something? So I can, I can use other people to help to verify whether or not what I'm seeing is real. Or did, did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. Or maybe I'm hearing something or something like that. So, so we can, so, so it's, so it's probably fair to say that to a certain extent that I presuppose that they're reliable, but there are other times if, if, if I'm not by myself, then I can, help get the help of somebody else in the environment to see whether or not uh, it is reliable in that instance, whatever, you know, like the example I gave. Okay. Um, then let me run off of that. Uh, so I'm typing out what you're saying as you say it. And if sure. I misrepresent you, my apologies, never trying sure. to do that. 
you said you don't necessarily assume that your senses are are always accurate and reliable. It seems to be, you know, I mean, you couldn't drive a car. But, uh, okay, so because, my phone just made a weird sound, because you can't necessarily assume uh, the accuracy and therefore the reliability of your senses uh, in all areas, um, and that your experiences, of course, are subjective, and your interpretations are subjective. How do you, from that, establish the universal truth that morality is based upon reduction of harm? Well, because my foundation is well-being. Why is that foundation the right one? Um, I'm, not, I'm not asserting that it is the right one, but it's the foundation that I start with. And that's why I said before that I'm not necessarily convinced that it's objective or subjective. And like I said, uh, when I read my little blurb, that there are good arguments uh, on both sides. Um, but if you but if you start from a if starting from a foundation of well being and the other principles that I listed, I can I can morally assess situations to come back to that that standard of well being. Okay, uh, so the well being is is um, something that you say you just begin with because it's based upon your whatever criteria that is is related to you. Uh, well, not just not, not just me other people like I, I would say the same thing for uh, like if, if you and I were standing in the same room and something was to happen then then I would consider my well-being and I would also consider your well-being if I had if I had to take action against you in a, in a positive or negative way given this this imaginary thing that just happened I would gauge my well-being and your well-being, and I would use that well-being as a standard. So the part of the ceiling collapses, okay? Um, and I, I, like this is, this is far-fetched, and I use it only as an example. Part of the ceiling starts to collapse. Well, in a, in a situation where the ceiling wasn't collapsing, pushing you out of the way would be counter to your well-being. I could cause you physical harm. Maybe you had a shoulder injury, and I push you on the shoulder, and, and I, I hurt you in some way. Um, but with the ceiling collapsing, pushing you out of the way is much better from from the perspective of your well-being versus a hunk of ceiling falling on your head. So why is uh, reducing harm the right moral standard to base it all on? Wouldn't you agree that harm reduction is a good thing? Uh, not necessarily. I'm, I'm asking you what justifies uh, saying that well-being is the right moral standard, not only for yourself, but for others. You. I, I, if you don't think well-being is good, I, I don't know what to say to you. I, I didn't say it was good. I didn't say it wasn't good. I just asked you about your position. See, Do you goodness, see well-being as a good thing? It depends on the circumstances, the necessities, what's going on. Well-being has a variety of meanings. Can you give me an, can you give me an example of when well-being isn't the best thing? Yeah, when you have a broken arm and you're taking a drug to mask the, the broken arm, and so you, you have a feeling and sensation of well-being, but that's not a good thing for you because you need to have that uh, injury addressed. But that still addresses your well-being, a reduction of pain and suffering. That's, Michael, still, that's still better than suffering. Yeah, Michael, he was asking you a question you're defended by trying to flip the burden of proof. You need to no, answer no, for your no, claim. I'm, I'm trying. No, I'm honestly trying to explain. Like, I mean, so I, I start. I start from a standard of well-being. So you said that if you know, if I had a broken arm, I had to take drugs. Well, taking the drugs would still be a promotion of well-being because it would be a reduction of suffering. So uh, the reduction of the suffering um, 
you know, if I were to find different circumstances and situations, you know, and where a person's a drug addict and just takes drugs to make themselves feel good, mm-hmm. um, and even though they are hurting themselves severely in the process, but they're they're feeling better, it, would you say that's a good thing? No, because because so the the specific example that you use would be is taking drugs, and I'm I'm assuming you're referring to like illicit drugs like coke or meth or something. Like, am I right? Oh, just a drug. Okay, so um, I'm, is this person abusing the drugs? Or are they taking it for like are they are they taking it for a reason? Or maybe did they start to take it and then get hooked on it? And now they're abusing it because Let's because just, they, these have factors. They, like these are factors that that make a determination in the well being. Because if if the person again if if the person has to take these drugs for a longer period of time because of a longer a larger sustained injury, then maybe they're taking that drugs and maybe feeling better is the byproduct. And that could be addressing their well-being in a positive way. But if they've been taking the drugs for, let's say, they injured themselves and the doctor gave them a prescription for, I don't know, two weeks, right? And the prescription has expired. This prescription is done. They've taken the medication. They feel better, but they still like the way the drugs made them feel. Um, And they're still, maybe they get a fake prescription or they buy pills, the same pills off the street or something. Who knows? Um, that would be counter their well-being, and that's measurable because if they let's say it's let's say it's an opioid, right, and it's causing damage to their liver or to another part of their body, or it's making them so they can't work and then they lose their job and all these things. So you you can th- these are tangible ways that they'll have a negative effect on the person's overall well-being, and in that way it's causing harm. And so them not taking the pills would be a reduction in harm, which would increase their well-being. So uh, the uh, issue of uh, well-being is subjective uh, or subject to the circumstance of mo- motives uh, on whether or not well-being at that point, as you've defined it, uh, is a is a proper standard or not, right? Oh no, I don't. I think well-being. I think well-being as a standard is objective. Can you uh, can you define what well-being means? Um. Hmm, I don't know that anyone's ever asked me what well-being is. Um. So I think uh, it's. I think in some ways it's self-explanatory. I think, and this may sound mumbled or jumbled, but I'm just kind of having to piece it together on the fly. Um, I would say well-being is anything that encompasses some of the things that I said, right? A, a, um, a reduction in harm to the best of our ability, an increase in flourishing, um, something that is uh, that will promote uh, health, um, life, things like that. So well-being is a reduction of harm. I think it's. I think. I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. So is reduction of harm well-being? I, th- I like I said. I think they go hand in hand. Do you see the circularity of your definition? Yeah, it's virtuously circular. Yeah, it's uh, just what, what's good. Well, that which makes me feel right. Well, what's make you feel right? That's what good is. So well, no, because words- I said because I I I said and I, I hope you're not trying to purposely twist things around is, is, is I said that it, it, it very much depends on, on what it's about, like to try to get to a basis uh, like of that standard of well being, Right. What, what I was doing was asking you the definition of well being. Your definition is tautologist. You define well being as a reduction of harm. When I ask you if reduction of harm is, is what well being is, you say yes. So you're, I think you're, they are, I think they are part of one another. So your your definition is just nothing more than a circle. If I could I could Google search well being if you really wanted if you wanted a more strict definition. But well, but if you're I, asking I me thought, for what, 
if you're asking me for what my definition is, I'm telling you that I think that they go hand in hand. I think that reduction of harm, the the um, the increase in flourishing and well-being all tie together and go hand in hand. If you want a more concise definition, use Google. Well, I, I was I'm debating you, not Google, and so I, I was asking you. If you is what I'm saying unclear to you? Because it's pretty clear to me. If you're the one saying well-being is is what is the proper standard, and I ask you what that is, and you're not sure what it is, that doesn't bode well for your ability to defend your position. I'm and defending my position just fine. I've, I've I've told you I've told you what it is. So is my is is my explanation of well-being unclear to you? Oh, it's it's clear. That's why I was able to raise the objection to what your definition brings, because you're saying well-being is a reduction of harm. And I asked you what if reduction of harm is well-being. You said yes. So I'm just trying to point out that what you're doing is you're defining something. And then saying the definition is what it is. You're not establishing that your position is the correct one. You're just. Saying, I never said it was correct. You're just saying. I mean, you you asked me that before. Okay, so I, here, I didn't here, tell you that it was correct. Here's the thing. Matt, I need to use the restroom yep. again. Sorry. I yeah, no, that's fine. I, and I know you could. Right you'll still be able to listen, or maybe not if you take that off. So here's the thing. I'm going to leave this comment up from Joanne. She said, "I wish Matt could get a word in without being interrupted." The the interesting thing with that, uh, Michael, is I was able to predict and clearly accurately, uh, that you would be more aggressive tonight with, with Matt. Um, it's a tactic. I, I saw you got more aggressive with Anthony and even more with Matt. For, and so I'm curious, is it because you, you getting aggressive with me is not going to work because I don't get rattled, I stay even keeled, and you're trying to get under Matt's skin so it looks like you've actually won when you're actually floundering because you're... No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Um, And geez, this is going to this is going to come across uh, harsh. Um, I don't get aggressive with you and I don't get aggressive with Justin. Um, I I think maybe it's because our maybe our personalities um, mesh together a little bit better. And and I'm not I'm not blowing sunshine. I I don't I don't do that, and I, I won't use the the, uh, the the expletives that I would normally use. Um, <laughs> Thank but, you. Because uh, I, I, I I just that's not what I do. Um, with with Matt, I, I have no problem. I'll say this to his face when he comes back. His reputation precedes him, and so there there is a little bit uh, go, there is a little bit going on there. I freely admit that. Um, but but there there also seems to be. And this is and this is why when I said before, like when okay. after the after the first time that we were on, uh, after pardon me, after the first time that I was on, and everybody pushed stop, and it was just Justin and I talking. We had such an amazing conversation for about forty five minutes, and it was free flowing, and there was a really we didn't really it. no, yeah. and, and there was a, but, but 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 you would agree with me, I believe wholeheartedly. So that, that it was it was very free flowing, and it was very it was um, it's the best word. Um, well. The, well, the thing, the thing that's going to be neat is when I get to talk to this pastor again, because you just said exactly, almost word for word, what I told him that you, you'd be, why you'd be more aggressive with Matt, which, well, which is kind of, of, yeah, and I admit yeah, it freely. Ready. I admit so, it freely. All right. So, so just, so just to avoid any more obfuscation, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to define, I'm going to adopt this definition of well-being. Well-being is the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity that includes having good um, mental health, um, high life satisfaction, a sense of meaning and purpose, and the ability to manage stress. More generally, well-being is just feeling well, um, and that's it. 
So I, I agree with that definition. So let's right. just move on from there. Okay. So that's the definition you choose. Sure. And um, so, and if I were to ask you again, uh, just to reiterate, is that uh, you're saying ultimately it's reduction of harm, the increase of, of well-being, or, uh, prosperity, wealth, whatever, feeling good. And that, though, that is by definition what you have well-being. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that it's a circular argument. Now, now hold on. Let me explain something. It's circular. Now, what you could do is come back and say, well, Matt, what do you say real well-being is? And I would say uh, well-being uh, is that which uh, conforms to the intent of God for us. And then you'd say, well, how do you know that's true? And I'd say, well, I assume the validity of the Christian worldview. And you'd say, well, that's an assumption. I'd say, yeah, and it's, there's a point of circularity there. We all have to do this. The question then comes down to, can your worldview account for, and justify your circularity, or can mine? See, mine excludes yours, so they cannot both have to be able to do that if they both mutually exclude each other's worldviews as being viable, necessary preconditions to justify the reasoning that we have in the issues of our discussion, particularly here on the issue of reducing harm as, a, as an objective means. Now, you said it's an objective means. Objective mm-hmm. means it's not subjective. It's not subjected to your personal preferences, your desires, or your wants. It's, it's something else out there. Now, the objective standard, now this might be a tricky question for you. Where does that objective standard reside? And if it's unclear, I can explain more. Where does it reside? Like, are you asking if it's transcendent? Yeah. It, does it, uh, is it a transcendent objective you have, or is it found under rocks, or is it by vote from uh, your, your neighbors? Mm, I'm not sure if my neighbors vote. Sorry, couldn't resist that. Um, uh, so is, is my standard transcendent in some way or is a part of me um i I think i i think you are probably responsible for me thinking about the word transcendent more than anybody else and i mean that as a a compliment because i like to challenge myself and think about things Um, i am slick so thank you um so i uh i I do think about transcendent a lot and it's not something that um it's not something I deliberately try to shy away from, but my, my but honestly, my brain gets stuck on it when I think when I think about it sometimes. Um, but I think if if I'm trying to be a hundred percent honest with you and answer your question honestly, um, I would have to say that I believe the reason I believe my standard is objective is because when I when I apply it, it it works. And what I mean by that is, is that I can apply, and this is why I tried to get, when I was asking you, you know, do you believe that well-being is good? Um, because I think if you, I think if anybody honestly, and, and even if we put God aside for a moment, if we just kind of, like, just move that aside for just a second, and just think about, just think about well-being, um, I would really have a hard time believing, and I would I think I would almost go as far as to say I would think that someone is is not being honest if they said that, and I know you, you'd say you can't lie. So I would think that someone is being dishonest if they say they can't look at well-being and say that well-being and the attempt to get to well-being is a good thing. So I think then that's, so that's why I'm not a hundred percent sure that I've answered your question. I am trying though. Um, it's okay. I'll, I'll yeah. help you. I'll help you out by making it more difficult. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks so much for that. 
Sure. Morality is an abstraction. It occurs in the mind and the heart, this this awareness part of us. You and I could go through a thrift shop together looking for morals, and we could ask the shop owner, you got any morals laying around? Oh, yeah, over here in this drawer. It's an old, you know, it's not going to happen. These things are abstractions, and we're talking about them. So if I were to say it's wrong to murder, uh, not justifying it, just saying hey, wrong to murder you, and you agree, then we are agreeing to a moral standard and we're agreeing to an abstraction something that occurs in the mind and the heart right um yeah and i would say that i also agree that it is wrong to murder okay good so you agree uh agrees that it is an abstraction all right so where does this abstraction that we both apprehend where does it reside i don't know okay so you admit it's an abstraction and since I've got you to think about transcendence, let's talk about this some more then. It is, okay, I'm going to say a statement. Um, it is morally wrong to murder, all right, and you already agree. Yes, so, I agree that that is wrong. Now, it's not wrong because I said so. Would you agree? It's just um, merely me saying it. Merely me, Matt Slick saying it. doesn't make it right or wrong. Oh, no, merely anyone saying it, I would 100% agree with you. What I, what I okay. would do is I was, sorry, you finish your thing first, and I'll go back. Sorry. Okay, well. Thank you. I appreciate that. So then it's not an issue of who says it, uh, you know, it, what you or me. Mm-hmm. We recognize a transcendent abstraction that we're sure. both apprehending. Yep, yep. How do you account for this ab- transcendent abstraction in your atheistic materialistic worldview? Well, so, yeah, see, and this is one thing that you do that I don't like, because atheism is an answer to a single question. Um, so mm-hmm. we have to put that aside for just a second, because my... My lack, my lack of a belief, or actually the belief that your God doesn't exist, doesn't impact my morals at all. In fact, I think I'm more, more. I think I am morally superior to the God you think is real. Um, but um, I, I, I look at it, and I, and what I do is, is I say, okay, well, it goes back to, it goes back to well-being, and I accept and I admit that I cannot. I don't even know. I'd have to do a lot of thinking about how I would ground that, but my. As I go through the thought process, I keep coming back to, well, the reason I believe it is wrong to murder someone is because it is, it would be directly counter to their well-being. That's why I believe it's wrong to kill someone. Oh, sorry, murder someone. Well, that's not the issue, what you believe. The issue here is the transcendent nature of the moral that you and I both apprehend. Yeah, so, so, I, so at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't know where it comes from. Okay. I, I don't know where it comes from. So you admit that there's a transcendent abstraction that we apprehend that we both agree is valid and true. Thou shalt not murder, right? It's more, murder is wrong. So yeah, you do I that. We, I think we each ground it in something differently, though. Okay. Well, I would ground it, an abstraction in a mind. Abstractions require minds. So you can't have an abstraction, uh, you know, here's my water glass. I've been sipping a lot, and I'm starting to feel better. I'm at the restroom again. I do apologize for that. I'm uh, glad you're feeling better. In politeness. But um, we don't look for the abstraction inside this glass, and then I, you know, put in a freezer and freeze it and say, hey, come over and look at the abstraction of thou shalt not murder. Uh, you've already admitted uh, to a materialistic worldview. You've admitted uh, to uh, the transcendent nature of the moral statement, the moral truth, that murder is wrong. 
You mm-hmm. admitted that it's an abstraction, mm-hmm. that it's a transcendent one. Mm-hmm. Now, you have an atheistic worldview. Yes. So what we're having here is a, is a conflict of worldviews. Your worldview excludes mine from being valid. My worldview excludes yours from being valid. I don't 100% agree with that, but go on, finish your point, and then we'll go back to it. Okay, because my worldview says there is a God to whom we answer, who's a source of things. And you would say, no, that's not the case because you're a strong atheist. You openly deny it. So both our worldviews where you deny God's existence and I affirm God's existence as the necessary uh, framework from which we argue, both cannot be true because they're both mutually exclusive, correct? Oh, sure. I agree with that 100%. Okay. If we have two views that are mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. God and no God, there mm-hmm. is no third option, correct? So you're going for the disjunctive syllogism here? Yes. So there's no third option, correct? If there is no third option, sure. So it's either the case that God is necessary preconditions, or it's not the case that God's necessary precondition. That's a true dichotomy, correct? Sure. So if we negate one, the other one by necessity is validated, correct? Yeah, but the, but the problem that you have here is if one is validated. I said invalidated. Right. So if one is invalidated, then the, but the, the problem is, is that, and, and this is where, so I just want to take a second and, and go back uh, before I lose this thought. You had said that there's an abstraction. You think that an abstraction has to be grounded in a mind. Is, is that, that is what you said, correct? Yeah. Okay. Why can't the abstraction be grounded in our minds? Because the abstraction is universal and absolute. And if it's grounded in our minds, then our minds would be the source of something universal and absolute. And that would be the implication of a divine mind, which you deny. So that can't work. Mm, No, I don't. I don't. I I don't. That's a non sequitur. Um, It it doesn't necessarily follow that it has to be a divine mind because and we, we never actually spoke about this. But but it is my it is my belief and my understanding that morality is an emergent property. So why can't it be an emergent property that is now grounded in our, why can't it be grounded in our minds? Because to say it has to, it has to be grounded in internal mind. That's, that's a non sequitur because you're also appealing to something that you haven't, I don't know, Andrew's going to jump on this, but you're now appealing, you're about to appeal to something that you haven't been able to demonstrate. So let's just say, let's do a thought experiment with what you just said and test it uh, logically. So you say morality is an emergent property of minds. That's what I believe. Yeah. Okay. So let's say there's uh, two, only two minds in the universe, you and me. Okay. And uh, you say murder is uh, right. I say murder is wrong. It doesn't matter who says what. So say A is not B or B is not whatever. It doesn't matter. How do we determine which one is correct? We go back to the foundation of well-being. Okay. So wait, you don't understand. Oh, no. No, I, I, I completely understand. And if, no, you if, if you say, if you say murder, if one, of the, if one of us says murder is right and one of us says murder is wrong, then all we have to do is go back to the standard of well-being and we can determine that the person who said murder is right is incorrect because murder goes against the well-being of that creature. So the two minds that exist and then you say the standard is well-being and I say, no, it's not. Who's correct? Well, because well-being is well, we could we can we can demonstrate what well-being is. Because if because if the if the person is let's say uh, so so we're having this theoretical argument, right? Where it's just you and me um, in in the universe, and you you believe that murder is uh, wrong. Let's just say I believe well-being is not the proper standard of morality, and you do. 
Right. So if I start to, so then you would have to start to harm me in that case, because you believe that well-being isn't the standard. So you start to harm me and you would be able to see that my well-being is, is affected. And if you were, if you in fact killed me, it would then be demonstrated true that my well-being was negatively affected because I would not be alive anymore. If you say that morality is a product of minds and there's two minds, Right. Which mind is producing the proper uh, moral absolute? Well, we, again, we go back to the standard of well-being. Which mind is producing the proper standard that by which you can say well-being is the right standard? How do you know? The two minds disagree. You say well-being is correct. I say well-being is not the correct standard. Right. Which, one, so, which one's so, right? So that's when we move on to, like I said, to, to demonstrate. Like it, it would be, it's demonstrable. If, 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 one of us har- if one of us harmed the other then that that would be a demonstration of the reduction of well-being which would which would which would validate the other person's position you're no it's not it's not begging the question at all Let me explain. It, it's a, it's a clear demonstration what you're doing is saying that the reason it's wrong is because it occurs so if i hurt you which i would never do if i hurt you you say see there i go i'm right no that's called begging the question you're just assuming your position's true you're not demonstrating it is you're, you're stuck. If you if you hurt me, well-being like, issue, right, right? Then my well-being wouldn't be affected. I didn't say it would or would not be affected. I said if you, you hurt me, would my well-being be affected? Certainly, it's affected. Right, and that is demonstrates it, the point. Is it a, is the effect morally right or morally wrong? It would be morally wrong because it negatively affects my well-being. So, how do you know that negatively affecting your well-being is the right standard? Because it negatively affects well-being, which goes against the definition I gave you for well-being. So then there you're back to the circularity of your reasoning. You're just saying it's your, your particular subjective opinion that that is the right standard. And I disagree with you. So which one of us is correct? And, and like I said, so I, I'm even prepared to accept that, it, that it's circular. I, I, I don't even have a problem with it being circular because it's still demonstrably accurate. Uh, you know, it's a moral issue, not a right. demonstration like how many times does the ball bounce down the the the, uh, the stairs. The issue is how do you know what is a moral right and wrong from your subjective preferences? It's morally right if it doesn't negatively impact my well-being. It is morally right, or pardon me, if it's morally wrong if it does negatively impact my well-being. This is this. I I don't see this as being that difficult. No, it is difficult for you. You just don't see it because you're an atheist. No offense meant, but because your worldview doesn't allow you to see the problem of your own position. I have to go over it and over and over it again. You're begging the question. You're committing a logical fallacy. Furthermore, you're using logic, which you cannot account for in your worldview, but that's another topic for a little bit later. After my next bathroom break, I got so much water I drink. It's working to flush me out. Sorry about that. So you're just saying that the more that well-being is the right standard. And you say, how do we know it's the right standard? Because if I hurt somebody, that's what well-being is not. So therefore, that's what, why it's the right one. Sure. It, doesn't, it doesn't present it as being correct, especially since you earlier said that morality is a transcendent abstraction. Is how well-being it, how better, can, than, better how than, can, than not well-being? How can a, you know, a universal moral abstraction, which is not dependent upon your subjective preferences, be not subjective and subjective to your personal preference at the same time. And it's subjective because you're defining well-being based on your desire that well-being be the right standard. It's purely subjective. But earlier you said that the transcendent, transcendent nature of the abstraction is not 
subjective. It has to be ob- objective. So what you're doing is you are contradicting yourself. Think about that while I, I my deepest apologies. I have Help to use yourself. the restroom again. That's, that's okay, man. Uh, Nature calls. That's okay. So re- I, I drank a lot of liquid yeah. to get me through this. That's okay, Matt. So, so uh, real quick, just one of the things you said that suffering is to be avoided, right? Yes, I believe. Well, I think from it, if, if we're talking about if we're talking about uh, an objective moral standard, less suffering is good. Okay, and yet suffering is often the very thing that that te- that grows us to be better, which is well-being. For example, if you don't struggle in school. Mm-hmm. You're not going to study. If you have to struggle, you're going to study harder. And, and this is a real world case. I talked to a guy. He thought oh, God sure. God doesn't exist because he prayed that God would take care of his, he had a learning disability. He had to work harder than everyone else in school. So his suffering was that he had to work harder. He was lacking in the ability to, to learn like other people. However, because he had to study harder and work harder, and when he got a job, he had to he couldn't go and play. He had to work to be able to do what other people could do. He's now the vice president, or was at the time the man, the vice president of the company. Well, that was That's good for his cool. well-being, but it's suffering. The, the very suffering you want to avoid is the thing that's, that's going to grow in the well-being. So you therefore can't say that suffer, avoiding suffering produces well-being because sometimes the suffering is what will produce the well-being. No, so, so I was very careful in the beginning when what I said it was reducing suffering to the best of our ability, which is – and this is the same reason why we vaccinate our kids, right? So, so now, you just triggered, kids, now you just triggered you know, Anthony. <laughs> even though even though we under even though we understand that 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 you know there's going to be a little bit of pain involved we understand that the that the greater good is being is being served through the vaccine yeah but, the but the, the dilemma and, you and that will be and that is and there is a demonstrable increase in well-being as a result okay of that. so so we're going to get mad at back in before we do just folks just watch again L- listen to the language he uses he'll say things are demonstrable factually true the overwhelming evidence yep. but whenever pressured just goes i don't know you, you, gotta, go go, to you gotta go to the google you can just go to cdc's <clears throat> website and and look up the advocacy of vaccines yeah, because they, they never lie right i mean cor- coronavirus is on surfaces or it's not on surfaces it's i mean yeah Matt, I think you you got to pull your mic down. You have it up over. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Just, uh, get back on track. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I apologize. No, no worries at all. I do forget exactly what we were talking about, though. <laughs> well, I have my notes. Okay. We're discussing the transcendent nature. I asked you, where does the um, moral truth that murder is wrong where does it reside because it's a it's a transcendent abstraction which you've already agreed to so i think i think it's an abstraction that 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 resides within us and because i think that because i think that uh, morals are an immersion property um i think that it resides within us maybe you're not aware of what transcendence means well no uh, you, you said you said abstraction right yeah and the abstraction is transcendent you agreed yeah, I, I think it. I think it resides. I think it resides within us, right? And an abstraction, right? Because would would you agree that that a thought um, is is a is a part of our mind or not a part of our mind? Uh, a thought is a part of our mind. Um, Do you think our thoughts can be transcendent? No, no, no. We have we have to we have to define transcendent now at this point because that's a, we're having a problem here. So transcendence is that which exists and is not dependent upon space and time. 
for its validity. Okay, and you can agree or don't agree. So, is is a thought is a thought re- reliant on space and time? Yeah, it relies on my mind, my okay. brain. Yeah. Okay. So, generally speaking, that that which is transcendent, because you if you you know you said you appreciate what I do, you'll know my my uh, transcendent argument for God's existence, the, the issue of oh, transcendence. Sure, yeah. Okay. yeah, and that the nature and the laws of logic, and and laws of logic are statements, morality are statements too. It is wrong to murder. These are abstractions. They have transcendent value, and the reason we know they have transcendent value is because they apply to you and me. Well, hang on, I just sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but they have transcendent value, or they are trans. Transcendent yeah. themselves. Yeah, that's 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 a good clarification. They have transcendence in their nature, okay. in that they are not dependent upon your mind or my mind for their validity. Okay, and so so uh, murdering someone is wrong would would fit that because you don't think because you you believe that it's wrong to murder someone, and I believe it's wrong to murder someone, independent of our own individual thoughts. Well, a better example came to is if there are only two minds in the universe, this will make it a little easier. Well, we, t- we went down this route before with the other thing, right? Yes. And in this is an example uh, in that uh, you say uh, reduction of harm. You know, the uh, what I know your meaning is the overall reduction of harm. I know the argument. You know, sure. You've got to break an arm to heal, to fix it. You know, I, I get that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do minutia. So the overall reduction of harm is, is basically what you call good. And that it is a standard. Would you say it's a transcendent standard? Based on your definition of transcendent, uh, I'm not. A- I'm not sure, but but I do agree with what you said about it being an abstraction, like being a part of the mind. I I, I do accept that. But based on your definition of transcendent, I'm not sure. Uh, so well-being is reducing harm. Is that universally applicable? I believe it is. Yes. So. If it's universally applicable, ought all people accept it as being true? Sorry, can you repeat that? You you beeped out for a second. Sure. If well-being is reducing harm, mm-hmm. and it is universally applicable, I believe so. Right? Then uh, let me write this down. Applicable. Then ought all people adhere to it? Yes, I believe they should. Okay. So what you're now saying is that reduce well-being, reducing harm, okay, uh, the reduction of harm as a standard of well-being. Okay, we'll just, I'll just summarize that in your well-being definition, okay? Sure. Your well-being sure. criteria, whatever. Your well-being position, I'll say that. Your sure. well-being uh, position is now universally applicable, which means that all people are morally obligated to follow it. I believe so, yes. Okay. And, and, and so, I think, again, based going back to that standard of, of what well-being is, um, yeah, I, I, believe that, I believe people should follow that. Does that mean they will? No, probably not. In fact, probably, not even probably, demonstrably not. People don't do, people don't do it all the time. Without begging the question, okay, which is just you assume the position to be true, give me a logical reason why all people ought to adhere to your definition of, of morality being based on well-being. Um, so I think, I think that they should, and the reason that I think that they should uh, is, again, because if you're – and this is what I said at the beginning. If you, you have to start with a foundation – and, and, and this is where, if, from, a, from a realistic perspective, and I was talking about my wife with this before, we, we chat about this stuff a lot, um, morality is, is, is sticky, it's tricky. Um, 
And as I said before, like in a little opening, I'm not 100% convinced that it is either objective or subjective, good arguments for both. And I think that in some ways they may be able to uh, cohabitate, for lack of a better term. So I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that I can tell you why without going back to my foundation, because my foundation is why I think they should in the first place. You haven't justified or grounded the reason. So you said that people should universally comply to your definition of what reducing harm is. So you're the one who's come up with this. You're the one who's stating it. And now you're saying that everybody everywhere ought to subject themselves to your moral requirement. No, not to my moral requirement. And that's, that's a, a little, uh, tricky the way you're trying to say, well, no, it's now it's all about you. You're saying all this, you're saying all this stuff. Well, we're having a discussion and I said that, you know, this is, this is what, this is what I believe and things like that. And I told you that I didn't think it was necessarily objective or subjective and that there were arguments for both on, on both sides. And you asked me the question and I understand that it's a, that it's a leading question. And I, I answered your question as honestly I could given the principle of charity and hoping to move forward in a, you know, in an, in an amicable way. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to trap me into a question saying, well, why should everybody do what you want? Which is, which is not what I believe. So if we have to peel this back but and, you- and start from the foundation, let's try to move forward with this in, like in an honest way. I'm not saying everybody should do what I do. I'm saying that from I'm saying that if you start from a standard of well-being, then if people were to follow that, I think generally speaking if people followed this, I think we would see less harm and suffering. Should people well, should people do it? I, from my subjective opinion, yeah, m- maybe the world would be better off. I don't know. So you are you're, you're you're coming apart at the seams. You said that the issue of the morality of reduction issue was universally applicable, and that people ought to uh, adhere to it. I wrote it down. You said they should, and you can certainly say, "Let me adjust that. I'm going to retract that." Which is what that's I fine. did. Okay, and then you're what you, that, that's. I'm glad you did because you can't defend that from your atheistic position. You can't defend a transcendent moral absolute. So then, that's good. I exposed that. So now, what you're doing is saying it's subjective, and you think in your subjective opinion they ought to. Well, let me say the thing about your opinion, and it's going to sound a little rude, but I don't mean it to be rude. But who gives a flying rip what your opinion is? Not to be disrespectful to you, I you know, I'm sure we'd get along if we went out and had a beer together or something like that. I don't drink. But, Coffee? No, I don't drink coffee either. Tea? Nope. Uh, water. Water. Water's a gimme. He has to have water. That's too easy. Yeah. No, I, I. Well, you would call it soda. I drink pop. Okay, soda. Yeah. So, uh, okay, soda. Then I'm sure we get along drinking uh, soda. I like RC Cola better than Coca-Cola myself. We could argue about that. The subjective yeah. merits of it and why we ought to all drink RC. So the problem is that you're what you're doing is, and I think it's good, you're having to redefine your position when it's cross-examined. But the problem is that it's leading more to your subjectivity. The more it leads to your subjective preferences, the less applicable your definition is universally, which is a self-defeater for you. If you're so- to say... If you're to say that it's it's okay, if you're to say that a subjective preference is what you have about people, you you believe subjectively that they should do this. Well, it's just your opinion, and there's no obligation for this. And then there goes your objective standard that you said you have. Oh no, 
Um, so, so I, I understand why you think that way and you think that way based on your theistic worldview. Um, I'm just, no, I'm just using on, your, I, your I, information. I let, you, I let you finish. Um, so what I'm saying is, is that if we, we, from my atheistic worldview, I can set forth and, and I did and, all of the, the questioning and everything else like that doesn't really matter. If we start, if we start from a foundation of well-being, then we can establish morality. I, I, have, I can establish a morality, and I don't need a God to do it. Why is well-being the right standard to start with? Do, do you not think that well-being is better than not well-being? Uh, that's that's subjective. You're asking me a subjective uh, preference. What is sure. better? What do so, you think? What do you I, think? I th- I think that generally speaking, well-being is is better than not well-being. Because, cool, but we agree. Because of the revelation of God, you being made in the image of God, and me having the obligation to be able to treat you properly, and so that is how I can ground it. I'm asking you, and that's why I would say from that perspective, not that that's the only one, but I will have to because you're made in the image of God, even though you deny him who made you, I would still treat you with respect. If you dropped your wallet, I'm still going to return it to you. If you insult me and take a swing at me and I duck and just run and drop your wallet, I'm still going to return it to you because you're made in the image of God. And I can ground my morality in him. But your grounding of morality is in your subjective experience. I asked you, why is well-being the right standard to begin with? And you say, you, then you ask me a question. Well, right. don't you agree that well-being is good? Right. Well, yeah, but the reason I do is different than your reason. I ground it in God. Why is the well-being from your atheistic perspective? That's what the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Why is that the right standard to begin with when you don't I, have a transcendent being by which you can ground anything? No, I um I think that well-being is self-grounding. I think well-being is not self-grounding. Okay. So, so can you, so without begging the question, can you justify your belief that well-being is not self-grounding? Wait, can you? Stop turning it on him. Andrew. I get a train of thought going. I need to continue in that train of thought. Um, can I justify that my well-being? Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? I'm sorry. Without begging the question, can you justify your basis of well-being? What do you mean by begging the question? Assuming God's existence? Yes. Without doing that? No, I can't. Okay. So, so you're doing the same thing I am, I guess. You mean not being able to ground something without God? I agree. No, what I'm saying is, is that, is that, is that you would, you would want to say that I'm begging the question and, and, and assuming that in, in my response, and I'm telling that, that you're doing the exact same thing. What, what I'm doing is, is I'm removing this, I'm removing this unnecessary thing. I don't, like, I don't need a God to be moral. Uh, I said it earlier that we both beg the question. Maybe you missed that. It was early on. We both do that. The issue is which worldview can justify begging the question. If I assume the Christian God exists, then everything makes sense. If you deny the Christian Absolutely. God, if you if you if you presuppose it all exists, then then yeah, you're you're done. Like it's like it's it it is the 
it is the catch-all. It is the duct tape for for every for every problem. If you just if you just assume that this thing is real, sure, no problem. I don't make that assumption because it's an unjustified assumption. And I just I don't make gonna, that assumption. I was going to say that if I were to ju- uh, presuppose the existence of the Christian Trinitarian God, everything makes sense, and I can justify my morality, rationality, our existence. If, on the other hand, if you deny the Christian God exists, you cannot justify uh, any objective morality or uh, objective rationality or our existence. I your worldview. No, you did not. What you did, let me correct you. What you did was you said in your subjective experience, you use your subjective experience and interpretive methods mm-hmm. around the world in order to be able to, ter- to determine what is true and what is false, what is right, what is wrong. By definition, that's subjective from the very beginning. You then said that there are morals that are transcendent abstractions, but transcendent abstractions are not dependent upon you. Otherwise not transcendent. They would be subjective. Transcendent abstractions are objective. So what you're doing is you're contradicting yourself, but you don't realize you're contradicting yourself. You're saying that your subjective experiences and interpretations justify a transcendent objectivity but you don't have that ability in your naturalistic, materialistic worldview, which is reduced to chemical reactions in your brain. You, uh, your worldview undermines your rationality. Your worldview does not justify any objective moral standard. Your worldview is a subjective experience that you have that's reduced only to your preferences and your ideas and your, your, your wants and desires. I'm not mocking you and making fun of you. I'm just analyzing a position and showing that it's weak. When we presuppose certain things, and everybody does, when we presuppose things, we develop a, a paradigm. Then we have evidence, facts, phenomena. Does it fit within that paradigm? Does a paradigm make these things work together? And, okay, if one does not make it work together, abandon the paradigm. If it does, you can continue with the paradigm. Maybe it'll become falsified later on. But if, at least if something is shown to be falsified, you should abandon it. Your atheistic worldview is based on materialism falsifies itself because you cannot trust your chemical reactions in your brain to be producing proper logical inference or moral awareness Mm -hmm. or absolutes. You also cannot demonstrate from the, as you've already said, which is a contradiction of your materialism, that there's a transcendent abstraction out there. How do you get a transcendent abstraction since abstractions require mind, but there is no transcendent mind. It's only a materialistic world. You can't have that from that worldview. You are contradicting yourself constantly. And I'm trying to help you see that so that you can abandon your atheistic worldview because it's self-refuting. That's uh, quite a gallop. Um, okay. More so, trotting. So, well, you, you said a lot there. It's going to be difficult for me to go back and do well, it. I can give you one point at a time. And, and, and address each thing. Um, I'm, not sh- I'm, not, I'm not sure I need it. But um, so all of those things that you said I can't do, uh, I, I can. Um, one of the things that, 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 you, that you repeated that we already talked about and uh, re-talked about, and I, uh, for lack of a better term, corrected, was this transcendent abstraction, okay? And I said I wasn't sure if it was transcendent, if it was based on your definition. 
abstraction I said I didn't have have a problem with. So that's a bit of a, 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 a talk about that then. That's a bit of a straw man in a minute. Um, and you said that I can't have a moral standard. Yeah, I can. You 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 don't think it's valid. You 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 don't think that it's that it's valid. No, you can um, have a moral standard, just not an objective, transcendent one. And and I disagree with you. Um, and I established my moral standard. You you don't agree with it, um, but you can't you can't give me your moral standard without begging the question, which is what you accuse me of doing. Um, and so one of the, but one of the most interesting thing that you said there was you know that if something was was falsifiable, and if if the thing that you believe grounds all of this stuff, um, it's supernatural. Um, we don't have any way. Uh, to to falsify that, so 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 what's what's the good what's the good in that? You you talk about all these things. You say, well, you know, we could work and falsify something, but your whole standard isn't even falsifiable. If we apprehend something, then the something is not ourselves. If we apprehend something, so if I were to grab a bar and hold on to a bar so I don't fall, it's not me. Earlier, you agreed that we apprehend, we lay hold of a moral value. That means, by definition, that the moral value is not us or not part of what we are as in our inventing it or as part of our nature and our essence. Because if I were to say that murder is wrong and you agree, mm-hmm. well, our agreement doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. It's just an agreement. Oh, no, but it does if, if, if we go back to my standard of well-being, it does. No, because sure I don't it No, because you have Why just, doesn't it? Because you have not justified that your standard is the correct one to use. You just stay, state that it is. You agree that well-being is better than not well-being, so we're in agreement with that. Wait a minute. You stripped it out of the context of what I said. You I, asked you a, I asked you a direct question. Yes, and I, what was my answer? Your answer was was yes, but you have to ground it in God, and we don't we don't need that. That's 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 just that's superfluous. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no! Don't do what the Eastern Orthodox guys—they're my new standard of bad. Uh, I had a debate uh, Sunday night. The new standard of bad Eastern Orthodox guys. Don't eo me. Uh, take part of what I said out of the whole to represent the whole. It's called the. Oh, no. So, so what I said was, is, is I asked you if well-being was good and you agreed with me and then you added to that. What you I, added to it was superfluous. We don't need it. What I said was, I'll have to repeat this for you and for the benefit of the listeners who may have come in, is that I would say that reducing harm is good because of people being made in the image of God and that we ought to treat people properly because of that. The reason That's the superfluous part. We don't need that. The reason that I am saying it is based in something. So therefore it's not superfluous. The reason for it is based in a a, a worldview. Everybody has a worldview, and my worldview is my Christian one. Your sure. worldview is a, 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 an atheist one. Yeah. And so you're saying that your worldview is based upon your atheistic assumptions, that there is no God. God I is didn't not say a, that. God is not allowed to be part of your explanatory nature. I didn't say that either. Is it true that God is not allowed to be part of your explanatory abilities and scope within discussions? No, absolutely not. You so you God, can you allow God in your world. Hang, 
If, if you could demonstrate that it's real, sure. I said, do you, uh, do you allow that God can be part of your explanatory worldview and your atheism that you said you, if, you believe strongly God does not exist? If you, so, yeah, I believe strongly God does not exist. Now, if you could, now, if you could show that I'm incorrect in that, then I would be happy to accept that as part of an explanatory. You're not listening. I said, you don't include God as part of your explanatory scope. Because Why don't age. I? Why don't I? Because you said you believe there is no God. No, and, and I clarified it. What did I just say in clarification? You said if I can demonstrate God exists, that's a different topic. Um, arguing- it's not. It's, it's, it's completely part of it. You, 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 you attend, you, what you started to do was actually misrepresent me. What you said was, is you said, due to your atheistic thing, you don't allow supernatural, you don't allow God. And I said, no, that's, that's, act- that's actually not necessarily true. If you could demonstrate that this God was actually real, which I expect Andrew to jump in on in a second, if you could demonstrate that that God was actually re- real, then I would include it in that i don't include things that 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 haven't been shown to be real i view those as superfluous if you can show that it's actually real past your presupposition i'm happy i'm happy to to entertain that possibility but don't represent misrepresent what i'm saying do you Please. include do you include god in any of your worldview explanations of phenomena currently no okay so then what i'm saying is correct all right. So since we both beg the question, we both will assume certain values, certain positions to begin with. The issue becomes which worldview can account for those. Your worldview, which is atheistic, you do not include God in any of your worldview explanations. Currently. That's, that's what I said, present tense. I do, not, I do not currently. That's correct. You don't do that. You currently do not do that. That's correct. So because of your atheism, you currently deny God as a possible contributor to explanatory issue to explain the various. No. I currently I currently exclude God as an explanation, not as a possible explanation, okay. as an explanation. OK, so is any explanation a possible explanation? Is any explanation a possible? No, it depends on. No, I mean you can't just say uh, anything as an explanation for something. There has to be all kinds of stuff to back it up. So there can be different possibilities to exp- to explain things. Different possibilities to explain things. Um, th- I think there are standards. I think we'd we'd look at um, we'd look at evidence, for example, and there are standards. You know that we would uh, count something as evidence, like um, for example, a piece of physical evidence would hold more weight than your anecdotal account, for example. Um, So what you're doing is you assume certain things. I assume certain things. When I assume the Trinitarian Christian God, everything can make sense. When you deny the Trinitarian God. Currently deny as an explanation. Like Matt, you're super, like you're, you're super uh, interesting the way you try to use words. But uh, but I'm I'm going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit and not allow you to misrepresent what I'm saying. He's not misrepresenting you. You keep validating that every time he asks you a question. You validate that he's not misrepresenting I'm, I'm you. Clarifying. Yeah, but your your clarifying is your misrepresentation. Every time he asks you the very specific, you end up agreeing with it. He's already done this like three times, and then you go, "You're misrepresenting. You're the one misrepresenting your position because you keep agreeing when he clarifies it." 
So we got about 15 minutes, Matt, just because he's, I know uh, he wanted to answer a question for Anthony. So, okay. So you currently do not include God in your worldview. That's fair. Okay. And so, so therefore any explanations for phenomena, you currently will not include God as a possibility. Any phenomena currently not include God as a possibility. You, you because it, because it hasn't been. Yeah, that's fair. Sure. All right. So everybody begs questions. And I'll say this again. From the Christian Trinitarian position, I can account for universal morals, our existence, and I can account for uh, the necessary preconditions for intelligibility. You have not demonstrated, we haven't even discussed uh, our necessary preconditions for intelligibility, nor have we ex- discussed our, our nature and our existence and how we got here. You want to discuss the issue of morality. Mm-hmm. What you've done is you have just simply, it's an arbitrary standard that you have because you can't appeal to a transcendent necessity that your definition is the right one applicable to all people. A transcendent necessity, a necessity is an abstraction. A necessity by logic, a necessity by morality is a an abstraction that occurs. To have a necessary abstraction, a necessary moral thing, you cannot and have not demonstrated from your worldview is, that is uh, correct. You cannot substantiate it. What you've done is you have said that you believe that from your senses, which are subjective, your interpretive methodology, which is subjective, that you believe that people ought to adhere to the idea of the well-being mandate that you stated. And I, we, we talked about that and I amended that. You, and you have not justified that your well-being mandate is a transcendent necessity, is a necessity that is objective, that does not reside in you, but resides universally elsewhere to which all people are, are subject. If you don't establish that from your worldview, then it's nothing more, no disrespect meant, nothing more than your opinion. And I, I don't really need to argue your opinion because it's blue is better than green. You know, who cares? The blue is better. Um, but... Uh, so, so again, the whole ought to, we talked about and I amended, and you, you keep on trying to, to, to turn it into something that I, that I didn't say. I, I said at the very beginning that I wasn't convinced that morals were either objective or subjective, but I do believe that I have this objective standard that we start from well-being, which you agreed with. You you then added this no, extra thing. You I added the extra thing. No, you're, so now you, you're so you, me. So you don't think that well being is better than not well being? Because that's what I said, and you agreed to. No, I said well being can only. Let me clarify. Well being can only be better than non well being if we have a standard by which we judge, and that standard has to be rooted in God. Your standard would be subjective. Your standard would be a bunch of people say so, and that's why it's true. Argumentum and populum, it's a logical fallacy. It's you can't validate any way. If you, if I were to ask you, give me a sentence to justify why. Well-being, the reduction of harm, is a proper moral standard to begin with. If I were to say, give me a thing, just one sentence, I will, I will show you why it doesn't work. Give me another sentence, I'll show you why it doesn't work. Each and every time. And what you, but what you do to, to try to get around it and ground it is you appeal to this undemonstrated standard as if it was actually an explanation for everything. And, I ju- and what I do is I just say, okay, let's take this thing that we don't need and put it aside. 
my my standard of well-being works just fine and 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 as far as lots of people uh, agreeing with it i did say that i believe that that morals were an immersion property if you go back and i know pretty much everybody watching this is not going to uh, agree but it, you know when when homo sapiens were nomadic uh, many tens of thousands of years ago um they when they started to come together and they started to realize that well you know okay so if we stay in one place the herds tend to tend to go around they end up coming back to us and you know if we, if we stay together we can avoid larger predators and things like that and i'm sure that, that 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 those first number of decades maybe even centuries was pretty sticky with people killing each other and all kinds of other stuff uh, but then they started to realize that hey you know if we work together and if we don't kill each other then we can actually we can actually do better and then these emergent properties start coming out of it and then eventually we get to the standard of well-being where we can look at it and say if we both agree that well-being is better than not well-being and we start from there and, and employ the other things that i said like consequential ethics and all these other things then we can actually work to then we can actually work towards uh, a a, a standard of morality and we don't need anything else. we can just push those other things aside like gods because we don't need them but we can work on these standards all on our, all on our lonesomes and we can come up with standards and we can flourish as a result and and so and so you keep on saying that i had this oh you know you you say it's a, you say it's objective you say it's objective when in the very start i said that i wasn't necessarily convinced that it was objective or subjective and that there are good arguments on both sides so you're trying to say that I'm saying one thing when I when I've said multiple times that I'm not necessarily convinced. Okay, let me finish here. Hold on, Andrew. You said if we both agree and we start from there, that's yeah. your thing. Oh, my, let me get this out. If we both agree and start from there, you asked me a narrow uh, question earlier. I answered the narrow question, but you see, I don't believe that it is a proper moral standard to begin with to say that a reduction of harm is the right moral standard. I deny that as a truth. Let's you accept it. You accept it. I deny it. I do. I do deny it. I would say that it, morality rests beginning in the character and the nature of God. You have not demonstrated the objective standard that you have. You claim you have, but you've not. Now, I have not yet, just so you know, I have not yet seriously tackled the, the issue of the sufficiency of the Trinitarian God being the necessary preconditions for intelligibility, our existence, and morality. You said I haven't demonstrated. Well, I haven't even got into that. We've been examining your worldview. Sure. And I've, I've poked holes in your worldview left and right. The only thing you've come back with is your subjective preferences and say, well, if we both agree. But here's the thing. We don't. So okay. all of your house of cards comes falling down because I don't agree with it. And you see your, your, your starting point is a subjective starting point that from the very beginning, as I tried to tell you, what makes you think that that's the right uh, starting point? Because I'm just saving this for later. I don't believe it's the right star starting point now because they want to have some more discussions. If you want to have another discussion where we continue with the nature and the essence of the Trinitarian God, we can talk about that, but you've not Absolutely. been able to, not been able to establish your position. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I'd we should. I'd love to. And just to, just to, sorry, just to finish up, um, Matt, uh, thanks for hanging in. Um, I'm glad that your stomach turned the corner in the, in a good Thank way. Thank you. And, and Thanks for uh, my excusing or excuse, letting me be excused to use the restroom three and about a, number four coming up here. I drank a lot of liquid to get it through me and it worked. Sorry. And uh, I'm Why do you not have sure to if be you're so hang around when, when Anthony, when Anthony pops in or not. I like uh, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stick around. First, first off, I do have to embarrass Matt a little bit. Uh, he 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 t- he did tell me about it. So why didn't you tell the story? <laughs> a little background first, because. Uh, and I'll say the quick story. Andrew is a complete jerk. He's a moron. He's a jerk. He's a butthead. And the reason he is is because he has successfully, I, to my embarrassment, he has successfully outsmarted me numerous times in buying me lunches. And well, I've, I've heard this story. I've heard okay. it's, it's it's infamous at this point. Yes, it is. And uh, even at one point when I was mocking him uh, at uh, Manti, and uh, you know, and, and I paid my own bill. See, hey, 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 like that. I walk over to the Coke machine and the lady behind the counter goes, hey, your car didn't go through. And I go, no. And he whips out his card and beats me yet again. This kind of thing uh, has happened so many times. And I hate to give any kudos to to uh, uh, such a jerk as, as Andrew, but he does deserve it. Okay, so um, so I went and saw a friend with another friend. Uh, uh, Joe and I went to see, two hours from here, 100 miles away in, in the city of Twin Falls, we went and saw a friend of ours, Braden. And Braden, he's a great guy. Uh, Ex-Mormon, became a Calvinist, loves the Lord. He's got a new wife, new baby, you know, bought a new house, just trying to make ends meet, okay, just trying to. And not knocking him. Hey, when my wife and I got married, we lived on, on, a, on a futon on the floor of my mom and dad's spare room. Okay, you do what you got to do to survive till you get back on your feet. And he's on his feet. But at any rate, so his car is out in the driveway. It's got dust all over it and raindrops all over it. And he has another vehicle. And his, he has to take, his wife has to get up and take him to work because the car batteries die is dead and they don't have enough money to get another one. hundred bucks. So we're out and about and, and Joe is, is, is driving and, and stuff. And so I said, hey, if we go to Costco really fast, I want to check something out. You know, I've been looking at, I just said, I've been looking at survival food. I have been. I just threw it out. So we go to, we go there and I start heading over to the, I start heading over <laughs> to the uh, auto parts place. To, I'm just going to buy a battery, whatever. I text my wife. Hey, we haven't been tied into the church recently. We could just do this for him. He goes, yeah, sure. She's great. And so uh, he, Brandon said, what are you doing? I go, I'm going to buy you a battery. What kind of car is it? He goes, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And I'm arguing with him a little bit. And I have my card in my hand. And I reached, I'm getting ready to put it into the machine. I'm looking at the machine. And Brandon goes, no, I don't want you to do that. I turn around and say, don't deny me the blessing. I turn back and Joe got his card out and put it in first. <laughs> Now, now I've done that to you. So clearly, you don't learn from your mistakes. Immediately <laughs> thought of Andrew. I go, what a jerk! This is like Andrew. And so, so I, I so I pushed Joe out, and Joe could wrestle me to the ground. He works in security, gets into regular, you know, wrestle matches. Unless I punch him in the throat first, it's not going to happen. You know, I, he lets me kind of what I, I shove him out of the way and he so he doesn't get his hand in, in his card in the, the reader I shove him pretty you know hard enough he takes a couple steps to the left and hands his card underneath the, the plexiglass to the guy and the guy takes it <laughs> so I got outsmarted by Joe and uh and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Joe said, no, you need to spend your money on ministry. So anyway, uh, I arranged a blessing for Braden anyway. But the whole point is that, um, yeah, I got outsmarted. Again. <laughs> Again. You guys are jerks. <laughs> you guys are jerks. 
direction. That's all I can say. Oh, I love it. Uh, Matt tries so hard and fails every time. It's great. Oh, man, I can't believe it. Gosh. So, Andrew, Andrew, I think the, the, the polite thing would be to just give him one. No, him no, 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 no. I'm not going to. No, no, no. I have to outsmart him because if, if, <laughs> if as I do, even though it'll be one time, I'm going to rub it in all the time. I'm going to moonwalk. See, this, this is the clearest. Andrew's... This is the clearest demonstration that atheist morality is superior because I just let him have it. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, what I was going to say is, is this is a demonstration that Andrew's well-being is more important. <laughs> yeah. well, he certainly seems like it. Look how much he's laughing. He's so yes. happy right now. Uh, he's he's clearly listen, bubbling. listen, well, Michael. What you don't understand is, I've actually called up Matt's radio program. Yeah, you have on the air, too. and I go, and my question will be, why am I a jerk? And then he has to explain the story. He's done it so many times. I've got to have 20 minutes early at a restaurant to go pay the bill. It's paid. Crap. You he, know? he even so, showed up to a restaurant early, worked it out with the waiter. The, the problem was he didn't work it out with the lady who was actually taking the bill. He worked it out with the I waiter. I did that at a restaurant. I said, don't let this guy. He's a complete moron jerk. He's got mental problems. Let me take care of this. And you still ended up. <laughs> There's even video of that. But all right. So, so I know you had a question for Anthony, but let me I want to ask you a quick question really quick. And this we can get into more detail. So we, we can have the discussion with Matt again. Uh, but I, do you believe in a free will? So are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you, Michael. Do you believe in what's, what's referred to as a free will? Meaning, you know, the, the choice, but the, the making choices between good and bad. It's, it's really interesting. Um, I've, uh, I've read some, I've read some books on this. Sam Harris wrote an interesting book on it. And, uh, I've read a, a little bit, uh, about it and there's, there's some interesting science and apparently there's some science that would, that there's some science that, that says that most decisions we make that like before we actually make the decision to do whatever it is, that as like a, a number of milliseconds before we actually make the, the decision unconsciously. Um, so I think what, so I'm not, so I'm not sure now when it comes to uh, like mundane things, like the, the difference between, you know, buying, you know, that the little shoddy thing that matches showed up was an Android phone versus something sophisticated like an iPhone. Um, I, th- I think we I, can be, make, I beat him uh, on that one again as well. Yeah. You know, I got the iPhone. Yeah. I think we can, I think we can make mundane choices like that or whether or not someone has a grilled cheese sandwich or a hot dog for, for lunch. Well, I think but, those but, are absolutely things we can decide. So, so I, but when it comes as, to morality, like when it comes to morality, is, um, yes, I think so. Okay. You think, so. you think there is, because yeah. the reason I bring it up is, <clears throat> And you can go look, because this, when you talk about the, your whole idea of well-being, there's an mm-hmm. article uh, called There Is No Such Thing as Free Will by Stephen Cave, okay? I'm not familiar with that. He is not a Christian. Uh, he's arguing, his, basically his argument is from, they've, they ended up doing a bunch of studies, four, five, six studies, uh, with different people. And his argument is, based on the research, it is better to think that there is a free will, even though we know there isn't one. Why? Because in your, like your example where you want a way to falsify your well-being argument uh, and, and the argument of the morality that he will argue, <clears throat> the science shows that when you do not believe in being accountable, then you will always resort to Cheating, stealing, lying, doing whatever you can to get away with things, which is so when you actually 
have any society where you put atheism in play, it always deteriorates to the worst element every time. So when you say that we don't need God, there's no evidence historically to support that because every time it's tried, it's led to mass murder every time. So you had a, you had something you wanted to ask Anthony that you said from the beginning, and we, we so I told Anthony that uh, you you wanted to apologize for some for a question that you didn't answer of his, and yeah, yeah. so um, man, you Andrew, you don't like Justin, do you? You keep on tossing him in the background. No, like he's doing second. that. He does you, that. You keep on, you keep on just putting him in the background. No, he um, did that. No, so I would say, um, uh, Andrew, if you could. If you have the capacity to to link that paper or something, or oh, yeah. the, the author's name or something like that, yep. I, I'd be super curious to to look at that. Because um, because I I'm not sure where I stand on on the issue of free will. Although I don't, I um I, I think it's interesting. Christopher Hitchens once said he said uh, he said morality is why you do the right thing when no one's watching. And I think that that's very interesting. Like, like Matt, you alluded to that earlier. You said you know it's like if you drop your wallet and didn't notice it, you know you return it and stuff like that you know why do you do the the right thing when no one's watching i think it's i think it's interesting and it's something that i sit on the fence about and i don't think i've read enough about i dropped it uh, i dropped it in problem. i dropped it in the chat i see it there so anthony um not a problem you don't have free will you can't defend it and there's no public matt we can't hear you. your mic is up in the air you. your mic's up in the air I oh, sorry, sorry about that. If you don't have free will, then you can't demonstrate that morals have any penalty or any culpability in moral action if there's not freedom. In a materialistic worldview, you can't justify freedom in your mind, so therefore morality becomes superfluous. It becomes a meaningless concept. That's a whole well, like other said, issue to talk about. Yeah, like I said, I haven't really like free will is something that I've I've read a little bit about, but I've I don't think I've studied close enough. Have you studied uh, what's called property dualism and substance dualism? You know what those terms are? Um, I know hold, hold of them, on, but I'm not we, super familiar with them. You're going to drag me down no, a tangent. Just, I'm not going to get to no, talk no, no. to Anthony. Yeah, I want, we want to give him. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, Matt, I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, yeah, I, I, had some, to you. I had some people say I shouldn't do it. Um, but uh, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm glad that I did. It doesn't matter. Because I'm um, so sick. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but uh, anyway, Anthony, um, at the start of our last discussion, you at the very first question you asked me was, "Why do I care?" And I didn't answer that question. And we, we kind of got then we got sidetracked and sent down other angles, and I never got back to it. And about two hours after we we finished, I was like, "Yeah, I never." I, of course, I said something. I said something worse to myself. But I'm like, yeah, "I never answered that question." And uh, I and so I apologize for not answering it, and I owe you an answer. And uh, we can talk more about it. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time tonight, but maybe another time if uh, if Andrew decides to have me back again. Um, you said, "Why do I? You know, why do I have a podcast? Why do I do these things if I don't if I don't care if I don't think that this God exists?" And the simple the simple answer is, and, and I don't mean, mean this to be insulting in any way, and it's. Um, because I'm only talking to you and the Royal you, I know Andrew and everybody else is still in the background. Um, and I, to a, to a certain degree, exclude you because I try not to lump everybody together. Just like I, I would hope you don't lump, you know, all atheists together uh, into the same pot. Um, that is that I do what I do because some Christians do what they do. And when they, when I talk to people who deny science and who want to involuntarily impose their will on other people. Uh, that's why I care. And that's why I do what I do. 
Um, if, uh, and it, again, to go back to something Christopher Hitchens said once, he said, uh, he said, I, I, I talk to believers of, of all stripes uh, all the time. He said, and you know, they, they have this great truth and they, and they, they walk around so, you know, so uh, convinced that, that they have this truth and you think that it would make them happy. It doesn't make them happy. They can't be happy until you believe it too. Um, and I, I would think that if, if, if that were the case, then I wouldn't have anything to talk about because it wouldn't be an issue. So I, I know that there are some very uh, middle of the road, just call them middle of the road type Christians who just, you know, they're happy to believe and kind of live and let live and these other types of things. Um, but there are some real extremists out there. Uh, and not to drop too many names, but I think of people like Steven Anderson and I think of people like Matt Powell, people who are vile individuals. They truly are vile people. When uh, someone like Steven Anderson can, and you can, anybody of your viewers can watch this video where he stands at his pulpit and he says, if I had a button and I pushed this button every time I pushed it and he said a horrible thing, uh, you know, a, a person, you know, a homosexual person would die. He said, I push it to my finger broke. And I watched that video and I started crying because I have families uh, who are LGBT, family members who are LGBT and dear friends of mine that are LGBT. And to think that such a despicable, someone who says he's, you know, a Christian would say something so vile. Uh, that's, that's why I do what I do. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, that does. And, and it gives us a lot of stuff to talk about on a future show. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I, I, I have to say this, though. Um, sure. When it comes to Anderson, there's Christians who also cry when they see some of those antics, but for a different reason. Mm. Um, would you be one of those? Oh, yeah, I, I, I would, because I would rather see a homosexual come to faith in Christ um, before they die so that they could go to heaven for eternity rather than hell. And so, yes, I do cry for that reason. Um, but it, but again, that is a very different reason than yours. Um, sure. Yours is a subjective reason. I mean, you and Matt, I, I'm not going to open up anything else. I mean, you and Matt went around about on that uh, tonight as uh, – because the question I would ask you is, again, why do you care? I mean, it, it's I understand that you have a difference in your worldview versus, but we, in terms of what we do, we do it because of God. We Everything is based off of his truth. And so we do these things as a result of that. What I tried doing uh, two weeks ago, what Matt tried doing tonight, what Andrew tried doing three weeks ago was to show that, if you don't, if you don't believe in God and and uh, whatever happens after this life, it doesn't matter. Then that was, I guess, the reason why I say, why do you care? Yeah, and I think it's because you know, again, you have these some of these despicable individuals, and if they had their their druthers, you know, like you have, uh, and 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 it's not, it is in no way, shape, or form. Uh, am I picking on Christians because um, people who adhere to Islam? do horrible things too, like, you know, handcuff people, take them to the top of buildings and throw them off buildings or, you know, behead them or put them in cages and, you know, put like bonfires under the cages, all these unbelievable things. And I guess when I, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, I'm like, well, according to your worldview, they're going to hell. Isn't that enough? Like, do you have to, you know, so they're going to live 50, 60 years or something like that. 
and you know, depending on what brand of Christianity or whatever it is you, you would you um, you adhere to, you know, they're 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 going to hell and like fire, or whatever. Um, or maybe just say you know, if you're an annihil- annihilationist, who knows? I don't know. Different not, people believe different things, right? So, yeah, that's you know, but yeah, uh, different people believe different things for sure. And so, um, I, I, in 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 for me, I'd be like, well, this is what you think is going to happen to them. Isn't that enough? Like, like you have to, you know, you you have to, you know, torture them or, or kill them, you know, in in this life too um and so the and and so anyway and that, that that's again you know i i i do what i do for for those specific reasons and i say you know present company yeah it, hopefully I, I, excluded i think it's very interesting you say that because as anthony said what is it that genuine christians i don't put stephen anderson in that category uh but what I is wonder it what he'd think of your opinion of him he not being a christian that's okay um but the the thing is is that you see genuine Christians want, as Anthony said, those who practice homosexuality to get saved, okay? Yet, you don't do what you do against Islam, who's throwing them off buildings. So, Oh, sure I do. You yep. do? Yep. I, I, I didn't see that on your channel. Well, well podcast, yeah. Um, so, um, one of my uh, next-door neighbors, so if, I, if I walk out my door straight ahead, opposite to you, I guess, on, on this side of me, is a is a, a Baptist family, and on this side of me is a, a Muslim family, and I'm friends with both of them. Uh, Cindy and Ian are the, the the Muslim family. They both converted to Islam and have four beautiful children. Um, and uh, Sergio and Karen on the other side have two uh, amazing boys, and I have great conversations with them both. And I'm constantly. You know, we have these these uh, dueling matches, for lack of a better term, where we're constantly talking about this stuff, and we'll sit down. And I have a, another friend, Mo, who now lives in, in Calgary, moved away from Toronto, but we would sit down, and he gave me an English copy of the Quran. He said, this is the best translation I could find. And then we would go through it together, and I went to his mosque and, and stuff like that. And we, I have these I have these conversations with pretty much anybody. Um, so so I, I do. And and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not uh, hesitant to speak out against, you know, and, and again, no offense, uh, meant I'm not, I'm not afraid to speak out against anybody who believes silly things. Yeah. Well, it's Anthony, were you going to say something else? Yeah, Other thing is that you, you said about science and, and I want to be absolutely clear about what two weeks ago. Christians do believe in science. It is not a mutually position. You either believe in the Bible or you believe in, in science. Um, I wrote a book on this. I believe the only way you can do correct science is and 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 be able to account for doing good science is when you stand on a Christian worldview. And we talked about that two weeks ago. So yeah, listeners yeah. understand that we do absolutely believe in science. Yeah. So all right. Well, let me. Uh, I'm going to put you guys in the back. We'll close up the show. Uh, let me just give some closing comments. Uh, and I, I know that, you know, I do think Michael's going to be back next week. We're going to have uh, pastor Justin is going to have Sean Waugh in, and uh, that will be uh, dealing with the subject of politics. Uh, I think we have two weeks of uh, topics on politics, two or three. Um, although if folks want to come in and ask questions as we had with little Anthony, you're saying four weeks. I see you holding up your hand for four. Yeah, because so, well, we have know, Shaw, it, who we had back on, and I think he's, is he coming twice? Is that it? And then Chuck, he's going to be two weeks in a row, and then, then we Pastor Ken. Fontenot. Oh, that's right. I forgot Pastor Ken, and then Chuck. Okay, and then politics. I'm still trying to uh, 
get get the contract signed for uh, Chuck O'Neill. Yeah, October 29th. They gave him the uh, the prime slot right before the election. So yeah. Uh, and then we we do you know either we'll have Michael on or I, I will I will say that there's been people that have been asking Anthony uh, about are we going to get back to dealing with a certain church in Iowa? Um, all I can say and and you're aware of this that you you prodded me to do some study and research. Uh, I am working on something um, that will uh, let's just say maybe blows the doors open, right? I mean, would that be a fair? <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna cause some problems over there, probably. Well, I mean, fairly, it, but, but yeah. yes, it'll it'll uh, it'll it'll it, expose some things yeah. that they don't want exposed. Um, so, uh, but here here's the thing: just as we close out, um, you know, the, I want you guys. You know, we do this again, and and you know, you you guys have noticed. I I don't. I'm not going to shy away from saying these things when, when Michael's here. He's still here. He's still listening. We'll, we'll end up going off air and, and discussing things. But I want you guys to notice, what was the one thing he couldn't answer? In fact, refused to answer over and over. Matt kept asking him one question. Why is well-being the standard? And what did he do every time? He kept flipping it to, to say, well, do you think well-being is good? Now, notice the difference there. Asking whether well-being is good. Yes, Matt could say well-being is good because, because of, we're created in the image of God. He has a reason for it, okay? He did what Michael could not do. He gave why well-being could be a standard. But the standard really isn't the well-being because the standard well-being is only good because we're created in the image of God. Therefore, God is the ultimate standard. He's kind of just sitting in midair saying, yes, this is the standard because he doesn't have the foundation underneath him. And that's why you saw Matt kept going to it and he kept flipping it back to Matt and saying, well, do you think it's good? Well, show me where it's not. And the thing that you end up seeing is he can't demonstrate that. And that is why he has to do this. Now, I, I also, and I encourage you, re-listen to the three episodes that Michael's been on. And you'll see, I've pointed it out each time. Because the purpose of doing this is not just so you guys see a debate going on, but we want to train you in how to identify tactics, how to learn, so that you could be better in apologetics. That's the purpose of the show. So what you end up seeing is what he would keep doing is make very bold statements you'll hear him consistently use certain words factual it's absolute you know abundantly clear and then when you press him to defend it he pleads ignorance and he's done this each all three weeks you'll see where he uses things that say that it's their absolute terms as if it's irrefutable but they're just claims and this is what you see People do all the time, and Christians do it as well. But what you saw was, you saw how Matt defended and could root what he's saying in things and supported his claims, and Michael just is making the claims. Now, here's the one thing that I think, what I picked up on what I think Michael is doing, and and this is where he's a little bit nuanced from other professing atheists. And so, and this is the thing you always want to do, you want to be looking at what it is these guys are doing uh, to, you know, to, to spot. What it seems to me that Michael's doing, and I think he thinks it's like a gotcha type uh, questions, but he's, it seems like what he's doing is taking arguments that he, he hears Christians making 
and he looks at them, and then what it seems he's trying to do is try to find a way to make the same arguments. You saw this last time when he said to Anthony and tried arguing he's a Muslim and was trying to use the same arguments. It's it's a gotcha type thing to try to show, see, you can't make an argument against me because I've just used your argument. The difference, though, and I, I'd encourage you to go back and re-listen to this debate with this in mind, or this discussion really wasn't a debate, but go through and listen. Because as you go through and listen, you end up hearing that he's arguing, trying to make the same claims, but there's one major difference between them. Matt's is rooted in an absolute source, and Michael's was not. Michael's was just his, they were just claims, Okay. Matt had them rooted in something. There was a foundation. Well-being is not a standard. It can't be a standard because once you go to some subjective standard, Hitler thought well-being meant killing off the the less human people, all of the, the Jews and the blacks and the, the mentally retarded and gypsies, eliminate them to create a superior race. That would produce well-being in his mind. But there's disagreement there. Well, if there's disagreement, then it can't be an absolute standard. It can't be an objective standard. And therefore, that morality is no longer objective. You have an objective standard. Everyone can look at it, observe it, and know that it's it's true. That's the, the difference you end up seeing. So I do think Michael will probably be back. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Anthony and I will not be here, uh, at least next week. I think the next two weeks, Justin will be here with Sean Wah. You won't want to miss that. And uh, going for a couple weeks into politics, we stayed away from talking about the debate that wasn't a debate. No, no, not not tonight's. I, I was referring to Trump and Biden. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Oh, wait, Matt, uh, Anthony's raising his. Hold on. Uh, you know what? We, we made a mistake because of this goof up. Um, from this week, uh, we we gotta no next, <laughs> next Thursday is Pastor Ken Fontenot. I thought you couldn't be here though. No, no, I remember I'm coming to your house. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, so we're gonna be in the same room as we're hosting that show with Pastor Ken. That'll be a that'll be a hoot. The man, the man of of uh, he, he's he's got yeah. We we will wait to see what kind of uh, suit he wears. For folks who don't know Pastor Ken. He has the most colorful suits, <laughs> awesome. and he and he pulls them off. That's the thing. I don't, I couldn't pull off the suits he wears. <laughs> Banana yellow one day, bright berry red the next. It's incredible how he does it. Uh, Actually, on next week, then we have um, Sean on the the fifteenth and the twenty seconds. Yeah, we'll be talking about politics the first week, and then the next week, I believe we're going to surprise everybody and uh, bat up and do a thing on uh, um, um, uh, what is that uh, Freemasonry? Yeah, oh right. yeah, I want to hear that one. So I actually just talked to Sean today this morning. So did I. He and then he texted me after he talked to you. <laughs> he texted me after he talked to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's weird because I told him to talk to Colleen Sharp, so he must think you look like Colleen. <laughs> I do. I, I'm, I'm just that, that good looking at that handsome. So, the, and then the 29th is is the one that uh, we're, we have, uh, I believe, is going to be uh, Pastor Chuck O'Neill again. Okay. So when we get to November, we'll probably, you know, we're going to have, I'm sure we'll be all set some things up with Michael and Matt again. Uh, 
Michael and Anthony or Michael and Justin, sorry. Uh, well, Michael and Anthony, I think they had some of the finish up as well, but I know you guys want to talk morality more. And, uh, and then maybe by then Michael will have studied free will and we'll see whether he gives up, uh, on believing or ever thinking that free will can't exist or, or choices and morality can't exist because that's actually the article really dismantles atheism uh, without realizing it. But uh, if, if you just believe in chemical reactions, then your your choice is not, and that's what he basically argues in that article, and I dropped the link earlier. Uh, the, the proof is that if you're just chemical reactions, like Michael believes, then you really don't have choices. Those are just chemical reactions. And if you believe that, it, it shows that society always fails. It always goes to the worst. People always act worse in those circumstances. So, um, so that's what we got for you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you learned a lot. I hope it was educational, uh, entertaining. I at least was entertained that Matt got well out slicked again. And, and maybe we'll end with a, a, a clip from, you know, a debate that Matt had with David Smalley and David Smalley said this. Uh, Mr. Smalley, do you believe that abortion is moral? Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm glad I'm debating him instead of you.